He's holy. He's faithful. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's holy. Hallelujah. He's faithful. He's awesome. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Say, God has been good to me. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We celebrate today what God has done. We celebrate where we're going as a church. I'm grateful, as, I, as we said a few moments ago, and just honoring the Savelles, I'm grateful for their obedience to establish heritage of faith. You know, having outreaches all around the world, offices. You know, at that time, they had offices in Singapore and Australia and Canada and England. We still have offices. We don't necessarily have an office in Singapore right now, but, but, but Australia reaches Singapore. I mean, he had a meeting last night where they were ministering to churches all over Australia and, and that part of the country. And, and just, just think this, this ministry that we're a part of. You, we, we may be labeled heritage of faith, but, but, but I count an honor to be a part of Jerry Seville Ministries International. This is, we may have the label heritage of faith, but this is Jerry Seville Ministries. We're, we're just another outreach, uh, uh, an extension of the calling of God that's upon our founding pastors. You know, and, and, and not like they needed something else to do when in, in, in October, September of 2000, when, when God showed up at Miss Carolyn at the foot of her bed and said, there's hurting people. I want you to love them for me. And then three weeks later, they had the first church service. There wasn't a, and you know, I'm telling you, she, she is quick to obey. They're quick to obey. There, there's no, you know, some people are like, okay, God wants me to start a church and we're going to do all these planning meetings for a year and we're going to do all of our, 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 um, our studies and, and all the things in the community and find out what our saddleback Sam is. And if you don't know what that is, that's, a, you know, and find out all these things that churches do today, but they're like, no, Hey, we're going to have church. And three weeks later, they had the first service. And so, so this is, this is Jerry'sville ministries, but we're heritage of faith. We're, we're one ministry. So you are part of an amazing legacy, an amazing legacy, 53 years in ministry. And we're as a church, this outreach of Jerry'sville ministries is celebrating 21 years. You know, this, this ministry, it's, it's all about imparting and impacting people's lives and Seeing people grow in faith. People receiving a revelation of the favor of God. To become everything that God's created and called them to be. To cut to the point where they will not give up. They will, having done all to stand, stand therefore. That's what a life of faith and a life of revelation of favor is all about. It's trusting in and knowing that God is faithful and God is good. And I will stand. And having done all to stand, I'll continue to stand. Because I will see God's goodness in the land of the living. That's what this ministry is all about. And and what we'll continue to be about. So you're part of an amazing heritage. You know, um... I believe it was back in March, I was asked to do a church anniversary service in Canada. And because of um, COVID, you know, wasn't allowed to travel there, but we did it, you know, via um, Zoom or live stream or whatever you want to call it. And, and, um, and it, it was the church's ninth year of their, of their anniversary. And, and I was ministering, and the theme of that conference was momentum. 
And, and I was ministering along the lines of momentum. And, um, and all of a sudden, I started just sharing things that I hadn't prepared. And, um, and I got right to the end. And there was three things that the, Lord, that the Lord said through me. And I said, this wasn't all what I preached. But it was three things. And it was this. Find your stride. Get momentum. And fulfill your assignment. Find your stride. Get momentum. And fulfill your assignment. Now, I didn't preach all of that at that particular, at that particular meeting. That's just what I, what I closed with. And, and, and so, so out of that, and I finished, and, and, and as I was driving home, and the Lord said, I want you to talk about momentum as you step into this next year as a, as a ministry, as a, as a church. I want you to talk about momentum. And he, he goes, I want you to talk about what I, had, what I had said through you at the end of that message. Find your stride. Get momentum and fulfill your purpose. Turn to Romans chapter 13. We'll get there in just a moment. You see, this ministry, this for 53 years, the church for 21 years is established for a purpose. It's not just to say we have a ministry. It's you don't you don't call yourself. The Savelles didn't, didn't say, hey, I think it's a good idea. Let's start a church. No, God showed up. This, this church was established based on a word from God. And so once you have a word from God, there's no question, should I? Because anything else than doing it is disobedience. So to not, for them not to be obedient to establish this church, they would be disobeying God, right? So when God establishes something and he establishes a ministry... And he established the king, his kingdom on the earth. It's established. The most important reason to establish is to influence. Say influence. And the Lord gave me this definition years ago. And, and he told me, Justin, you know what influence is? And he said, influence is the power and the authority to affect, alter, or change something. When you have influence, you have now been given the power to change something. You know, before we stepped in this room and the lights were not on, darkness was filling this room. But the moment that you turned the light on, the light had influence. The moment that, 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 that God uh, breathed into Adam and Eve, he placed on the inside of him himself. And all of a sudden now they had influence. When, 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 when God called Abraham... And said, so I want you to leave your father's house and, 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 and I'm going to make your name famous. You're going to be blessed to be a blessing. And, and what was happening? God was establishing influence, meaning now I'm placing something on the life of Abraham that he is going to change, affect, and alter the world around him. When he visited Noah and showed up with Noah and, and said, hey, I want you to build an ark. He, he was calling him to do something and it wasn't just so, so God could see if a man could make a boat or not. No, it was to influence something. When God calls something or someone, it is all about influence because he wants something changed. So when he established Heritage of Faith, he established Jerry'sville Ministries 53 years ago. It wasn't just to say, I have a ministry. No, it was to influence. And Dr. Savell has been influencing the nations, 46, 48 different nations in 53 years. 
thousands of people being born again and coming to the knowledge of God. Think about, you know, him, him coming, you know, coming from Shreveport, Louisiana, groping in, in Mississippi. And he has the opportunity to go to Hungary or, uh, uh, yeah, it was in Hungary and, 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 and right when the, 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 the Soviet, the curtain had fallen and he goes there and he stands up and preaches the gospel where they would, where, where, where they would, they would perpetuate communism and he stands up and in, in 15 minutes is preaching the gospel and all of a sudden people are coming out of the, the, the stands and coming out and filling the altar. That's influence. It's not popularity. It's not about trying to have a household name. It's about influence. So when God establishes something, it's always about influence. My heart's desire this morning is to stir you up. To know that you have a calling. And knowing that we, as a ministry, have a calling. Look at Romans chapter 13. Verse 11, he says, besides this, reading the Amplified, he says, besides this, know what a critical hour this is, how it is high time now for you to wake up out of your sleep. Now, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church. So rise up out of your sleep. It says, rouse to reality. For salvation, final deliverance is nearer to us now than we first believed, adhered to, and trusted and relied on Christ the Messiah. The night is far gone and the day is almost here. Let us then drop and fling away the works and deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Meaning, meaning, meaning you, you've got to, you've got to wake up people. You've got to wake up church. Why? Because you need to, you need to drop the, the things of darkness. You need to drop the things that are holding you back. Drop the things that are, that are hindering you from, from influencing what you always were meant to do and what you were always meant to accomplish and put on the armor of light, put on the armor of light. He says, wake up. It's high time. It's, it's high time. It's, it, it's the, the, right now is the most important time that, that the church has ever existed. It's a time of influence, but, but here the encouragement is we have to wake up. So, so this morning I, I want to stir you up because there has to be a sense of urgency on the inside of us. There has to be a sense of enthusiasm on the inside of a believer and enthusiasm on the inside of the church. You see, Jesus had a sense of urgency. He had a spirit-fueled enthusiasm. Now, the word enthusiasm, the, the very meaning of the word in theo. In meaning on the inside or within, and theo meaning God. So really the word enthusiasm is being filled with God. See, Jesus had a spirit-filled enthusiasm to the point that he influenced 12 men that eventually changed the world. He had 80 that followed. He had, he had thousands that followed. He had this spirit-filled enthusiasm, even as a 12-year-old young boy. And he, his, his mom and, and dad come back because they had forgot him. I mean, someone would have called CPS. <laughs> you know, and, and, and show up and, and they're like, oh, he's, he's in the synagogue. And Jesus' response to his mother was, didn't you know where I'd be? 
in my father's house about my father's business. He had this, this pulling. He was, even at a young boy, he was finding his stride. He was finding his stride. What does the word stride mean? The word stride means to step and make progress towards a definite aim. Stride does not mean movement or just walking. Finding your stride is not just being busy. Stride is to step and make progress towards a definite aim. It means to walk with long, decisive steps in a specific direction. This is what the Webster says, 1820. It's, it's to, make, to walk with long, decisive steps in a particular direction. I mean, you're not just walking, but you're walking with purpose. You're finding your stride. You know, there's phrases in, in running that they would use, and some of those phrases are, oh, when he hit his stride. That means to begin to do something confidently and do it well. I mean, you can run or you can find your stride and you can run well. You know, everyone that did something great in the kingdom of God, whether we're talking about Enoch or Noah or Abraham, they all had to find their stride. They just weren't doing busyness. Abraham, it says, if you, if you look at Genesis chapter 12, chapter 24 and, 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 and Abraham sends the, the servant out to go find Isaac, his, 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 his spouse. And, and he, and he comes in and I love what the, what it says. The servant says to the, the, the father and says to him, he goes, now my God, my, now my master, Abraham has, God has prospered him and whom Abraham walked with. If you go on and you look at Genesis chapter 48, 24 chapters later, now it's talking of J now it talks of, uh, of Jacob and Jacob now says, says the same thing that whom my, whom my fa- grandfather walked in and who Isaac walked, I whom walk and he's prospered and he's blessed my way. So there's something about this walk. There was something about these steps and going forward and not doing it aimlessly, but doing it with purpose. You, as an individual in the kingdom of God, you need to find your stride. As a church, we have to continue to stride. I didn't say strive, I said stride. We have to continue to go forward. In my own life, if I, or if I, even I look at Dr. Savell's life, you know, think about Dr. Savell, you know, being born again February 11th of 1969. And he accepted Christ, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and something immediately happened on the inside of him. He, he was no longer living for himself, but all of a sudden now he has something on the inside of him, this spirit-fueled enthusiasm on the inside of him to not settle for what he's, where he's walked before. So much so that he shuts his business down and spends eight hours a day for the next nine months. or Was it nine months? Three months, ninety days, three months, eight months. I'm sorry, three months, eight hours a day. There's threes, there's eights, there's nines, there's all sorts of stuff. But but understand what happened. He was finding his stride. He wasn't just walking aimlessly any longer. To the next where that walk and those steps and those strides, then next thing led him to work and follow Kenneth Copeland and travel with Brother Copeland. Next thing you know, in 1973, God calling him out into his own ministry. What's happened? He is finding his stride. 
had, I had, I've had to find my stride being born again in, in uh, January 23rd of 1993. Accepting Christ into my life. Then the next thing you know, being planted within a church. What was I doing? I was finding my stride. Next thing I know, I was serving in my church. I was finding my stride. Next thing, I started going on short-term mission trips to Guatemala five different years in a row and Panama. What was I doing? I was finding my stride. Next thing you know, I'm working in sales and marketing and the Lord says, I want you to quit your job, sell your two-story home on two acres of land and, 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 and move to Texas and go to Bible school. I, what, I, what, I'm finding my stride. I'm not walking aimlessly. I'm not seeking after success. I'm not seeking after my, my, what I want. And, and my, no, I'm, I'm finding my stride. I finished two years of Bible school and, and, uh, and all, all my friends, some are leaving, launching out of their own ministry. And the Lord says, stay. See, sometimes finding your stride is staying where you're supposed to be. You don't always have to be moving. Sometimes it's just, sometimes our finding our stride is just being obedient. Finding our stride. Not only did Jesus have to find his stride, but when he found his stride, he, to fulfill everything, he had to get momentum. Momentum is not movement. How do I explain this one? There's two variables in physics, there's two variables that make up momentum. Number one is mass, and the second is velocity. So, to understand how I want to communicate momentum and, and with Jesus. See, Jesus was finding a stride. Now, momentum and the force of momentum will base, be based on the weightiness of an object. If I had a beach ball in one hand and I had a bowling ball in the other hand, I could, I could roll them at the same speed, at the same strength, but that bowling ball will have so much more force. See, so often we try to do great things, but yet we're empty. But momentum, you know, there was a, 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 there was a young lady, a friend of our, our son's, we were talking, she was from Sweden, and, um, and she was telling the story how one summer, um, her, uh, I mean, sorry, one winter, when they were, they were there, they, they had these new trains they were using, and these new trains, state-of-the-art, fast as you can, uh, fast as you can imagine, they, they could go from one place to another, super fast trains, and, and when they had this one winter, it was, it, it, all the tracks had frozen up and there was feet and feet of snow and no one could get anywhere. They couldn't get products from one city to another because everything had been counting on this new type of train. And so finally, someone had an idea. They said, you know, look, this new train isn't, isn't doing the job. They had to go back and get this coal train that was iron. And, and what they did is they lit that full of fire. 
They lit that and filled it full of coal and it blasted through everything. It couldn't stop it. Why? Because when it was filled with the right thing and you had the weight of the iron and then you had the heat on the inside and the fuel of the fire burning on the inside, there was nothing that could stop that train from accomplishing what there was no obstacle that could hinder it. Why? Because it had momentum. So Jesus, it wasn't until he was filled with the Holy Spirit that he was finding his stride. But all the while, when all of a sudden he encountered the Holy Ghost and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now Jesus had weightiness on the inside of him and nothing could hinder him from doing what he was called to do. See, we can't change the world and influence the world if we're empty. There's a pastor in Adelaide, Australia. There was a church there called called Planet Shakers. And he made this statement by, he was, all of a sudden, he, in the middle of a service, he, he, he stopped and there was a message in tongues and he gave this interpretation and he said this, he said, and this is what the Lord said through him, that which I add my weight to will have unstoppable momentum. When God adds his weight to something, you will have unstoppable momentum. Jesus was filled with glory. What is Glory. It's weightiness. It's heaviness. Jesus found his stride. He got momentum and he fulfilled his purpose. Say, find my stride, get momentum and fulfill my purpose. Go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. It was a certain day that might have been just like any other day for these four ordinary men. And when they woke up that particular morning, I don't think they maybe really understood what was about to happen. And, uh, and they went about their day. They got up early, early in the morning like they normally would get up. And they went about their business like they normally would go about their business and work with their hands and, and do labor. All, all the while because something on the inside, they're trying to find their stride in life. But yet on this particular day, there's something that they encountered. They encountered this man that they had never really seen before. And maybe they could have heard of him before. But, but this man in, encounters them on this on this on the Sea of Galilee and, and and then what happens is there's this encounter and they see this miracle after being launched out into the deep and, and they come back and all of a sudden Jesus encounters them and, and and he says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, in this story, you know, they, they woke up just like they did any other day, but but yet they left different. They left changed because all of a sudden they encountered someone that was speaking to a greater influence and a call that was upon their lives. Amen. And when he said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. I want you to follow me. Just as I'm following, finding my stride, I want you to find your stride. Andrew, Peter, James, John. I, I, it's time for you to find your stride. You have to find your stride. And, 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 you know, I think about Jesus and even he gets to the end of his life and in John chapter 17 and he, and he, and he's, and he's, and he's making this prayer. He, he prays over the disciples and he says this, he goes, I pray not for just them alone, but I pray for all those that will believe on me through their word. 
Think about that, that day that, that, that was just maybe just an ordinary day, but yet there was something that God saw beforehand. He saw assignment beforehand. He saw purpose beforehand. And all of a sudden then they get to the end and he's saying, Hey, I pray not just for them, but I pray for Michaela that will believe on me through what they've written down. You see, if we didn't have what they if we didn't have what they wrote down, we would have no clue of what's born again. If John didn't write down to Nicodemus, well, man must be born again. If John didn't write down, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This, this book is filled with people, filled with men of God, filled with writers and filled with people that were inspired by God, that were all about finding their stride. And it's the same thing with the disciples. Jesus told them, he said, he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there until you're endued with power from on high. Because, yes, you've been finding your stride, but you need some weight behind you. You need some power behind you. You need some ability behind you because because Peter, James and John and all, all those that are there. You need something behind you. You realize he spoke between the time of his, uh, the time that he was resurrected and the time of his ascension, he spoke to over 500 people. And he tells them, hey, go wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with weight from on high. But yet only 120 showed up. Someone stopped finding their stride. Because maybe it didn't make sense. Maybe it didn't look the way they thought it would look. Maybe fear was involved. And, and I'm telling you these, these things. But, but as you find, we, we need this momentum in our lives. So we have to find our stride. We have to get momentum and we have to fulfill our purpose. That's why the disciples needed to go to Jerusalem and be filled with weightiness. Vic. Amen. Why? Because they had an assignment. And we cannot fill God's assignment without it. This church has an assignment on it. And we need to continue to follow God. We need to continue to follow those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. We need to continue to follow God. We need to continue to, to, to walk and, and not aimlessly, but walking with purpose. And, and not only that, we have to understand that we have weightiness down on the inside of us. We have the power of God down on the inside of us. And when you have momentum, there's nothing that can stop you. Say, find my stride, get momentum, and fulfill my purpose. I believe the Holy Spirit is alerting to us, is alerting us to be prepared for an increase in momentum as we continue to experience the Word of God and the presence of God. As a church and as individuals, I believe we're stepping into a season of greater momentum. Let me say that again. I believe as individuals and as a church, we're stepping into a greater season of momentum. Now think about when the, right after the disciples were filled. I mean, they, they knew something about God's presence. They knew something about healings. They knew something about casting out devils. Why would I say that? Because Jesus sent them out and they came back <laughs> to Jesus and said, wow, wow. <laughs> 
Even the demons are subject to us. That was before they were filled with the Holy Ghost. What do you think? After they're filled with the Holy Ghost. And think about it just in a moment. In a moment. Peter stands up. Filled with weightiness, momentum. Stands up and 3,000 people get saved. Two chapters later, 5,000 people get saved. You know, I, I constantly get, we'll be 2,000 people by 2023. And like, well, we're getting, I'm like, Lord, we're getting close to that year. But I, and, he, and he always says, hey, 3,000 got, people got saved in one day. It can happen. Miracles happen in a moment. I'm not concerned. That ain't that. It's not, it's not me who does it anyway. The Lord builds the house. The Lord builds the church. That's right. But think about it. And the next thing you know, we're still preaching what they preached thousands, a couple thousand years later. You talk about momentum. See, it ought to be the what's placed on the inside of you far, far supersedes your lifetime. That's true momentum. Amen. So I believe we're stepping into a season of greater momentum and then wrote this down, we're stepping, which means we're stepping into a season of acceleration. Believe this year as a church, we're stepping into a greater season of acceleration, an acceleration of the glory of God, an acceleration of the goodness of God, acceleration of the miraculous of God, the wonders of God, an acceleration of reaching the community, acceleration of building what God's told us to build. You know, there's things that, you know, that we, that, that's time to do quick, quickly, suddenly. That's accelerations. Hallelujah. So say, find my stride, get momentum, and fulfill my purpose. Go to Colossians 4. Let's deal with this last point. Find my purpose. Colossians 4. You know, ask the Lord, why find our stride? Why momentum? And he said, it's all about fulfilling, fulfilling the assignment on your life. Don't leave until you finish your assignment. Jesus said in John 17, 4, he said, I finished down to the last detail. Everything he told me to do. And I love right after that, Jesus said, I love this. Think about this for a moment. Jesus says, this is verse 5, I think. He goes, restore to me the glory that I had with you before the world was. Jesus saw glory. He experienced glory. He was filled with it. But yet he says, restore to me the glory. There's always something more. You'll never, you'll never come to a place where, where you don't learn more about God. We've just, just tapped into a little bit of His goodness. A little bit of His glory. Wow. So why, why, why stride? Why momentum? It's to fulfill assignment. Paul found his stride. 
You know, he was at that place where he commissioned about the gifts of the, that were in the body of Christ, where you're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Why? Because he was that person. <laughs> he was that one tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. He, 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 he was going aimlessly. He, he had a hunger on the inside of him. And, 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 you know, I talked to this, you know, weeks ago when I talked about how, how the apostle, why did God use the apostle Paul? Because he was hungry for God. Even when he was doing things in the wrong spirit, in the wrong way, God still used him. Why? Because his heart was after him. Paul had to find his stride. Paul had to get momentum. And we know that he was all about fulfilling that purpose. <laughs> As he said, I finished my course. I kept the faith. Amen. He was all about fulfilling assignment. He was all about, he, he was all about people following while he was following. Follow me as I follow Christ. Why he was all about, hey, let's not live life aimlessly. Let's not go, let, you know, in was it Ephesians 5 verse 18, he goes, he goes, live purposely. Don't be vague. Don't be thoughtless, but live purposely. Why? Because it's important for us to, to not just go through life. But no, we need to find our stride in life. He was passionate about fulfilling purpose. That's in Colossians chapter 4. Thank you, Father. Lord, to start. Look at verse 10. I'll try to read some of these names here. Aristarchus. My fellow prisoner wishes to be remembered to you, as does Mark, the relative of Barnabas. You receive instruction concerning him. I'm reading the Amplified. If he comes to you, give him a hearty welcome. And greetings also from Jesus, who is called Justice. This Hebrew Christian, alone of the circumcision, are among my fellow, work, my fellow workers for the extension of God's kingdom, that they have proved a relief and a comfort to me. I mean, they're always about the extension of God's kingdom. See, that's what he was taught. He was to this, this, remember, this is not written to individuals. This is written to churches. So he's writing to this church, and he wants them to know that they are, they are among mine, that the extension of God's kingdom. That's what we always need to be focused on. Whatever we're doing, whatever vision we have, it's always about the extension of God's kingdom. Heritage of faith is an extension of God's kingdom. He goes, Epiphras, who is one of, my, one of yourselves, a servant of Christ, Jesus, sends you greetings. He's always striving for you earnestly in, in his prayers, pleading that you may, as a person of right character and clear conviction, stand firm and mature in spiritual growth, convinced and firmly assured in everything willed by God. Stand firm. That's, 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 that's finding your stride. That's, that's not going this way and that way. No, not aimlessly. It's just striving with long, decisive steps after a, after a particular purpose. Verse 13, I, for I bear him testimony that he has labored hard in your behalf and for the believers in Laodicea and those in Aeropolis. <coughs> Luke, the beloved physician in Demas, salute you. Give my greetings... To the brethren at Laodicea and to Nymphus and the assembly, the church which meet in your house. And when this epistle has been read before you, see that it is read also in the assembly, the church of the Laodiceans. And also see that you yourselves in turn read the letter that comes to you from Laodicea. I wonder what that letter said. 
We don't have that in our Bible. We don't have the book of Laodicea. But they said, read this letter to them, to the church. They, they want the church to get a hold of something. Paul's wanting them to get a hold of something. When this epistle has been read before you, see that it, it is read also in the assembly of the Laodiceans. And also see that you yourselves in turn read the letter that comes to you from Laodicea. Now verse 17, and say to Archippus. It's a funny name. Who is Archippus? Archippus, Archippus. He's the pastor of Laodicea. So now this is a particular strong message that he's sending. He's saying, I want you to read this letter. I want you to read it to the church, but you need to say something to the pastor of the church of Laodicea. Say something to him. And say to Archippus, see that you discharge carefully the duties of the ministry and fulfill the stewardship which you have received in the Lord. Let me read this in the King James. And say to Archippus, Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you fulfill it. Wow. So read this letter to the whole church. You know, this could be Dr. Savell writing a letter to Pastor Justin or to Eric and saying, Eric, I want you to read this letter to the Church of Herods of Faith. And I want you, Eric, to say to, to Pastor Justin, make sure, take heed, and make sure you fulfill this ministry. It was almost like, okay, I'm reading that letter, but make sure you say this. This wasn't just flippant words. This was words of importance. Take heed. This, this is a warning. There's strength behind take heed. This is important, Archippus. You need to get a hold of this. You have to fulfill this ministry. And I want you to know as a heritage of faith and as your pastor, we have to fulfill the ministry and the mandate that's on this church. A church isn't a started just to say, hey, let's have ch- that church and we'll come together and we'll praise the Lord. No, there's an assignment on this house. God didn't show up at the foot of Miss Carolyn's bed just so we could have church week in and week out. No, there's an assignment on our lives. And he's saying to him, take heed to the ministry that I've called you, called you to, Archippus. As the pastor of Laodicea, you've got an assignment on your life. So there's got to be a sense of urgency. Paul had a spirit-fueled enthusiasm on his life to see the kingdom of God extended in Laodicea. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 3, and I'll close with this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Man, great days ahead of us. Say, find my stride, get momentum, and fulfill our assignment. Now, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, now right above this in my Bible, it says, the message to Laodicea. Now, I want to ask a question. Did Pastor Archippus fulfill the assignment? Take heed to it and make sure you fulfill it. This is important. You've got to fulfill this, Archippus. 
Now, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Colossae in 65 B.C. John, John died, or John, this, John, Revelations was written when John, I think, was 99 years of age. 95 years of age. And so, this is 30 years after, 32 years after this encouragement to Archippus. So what transpired in 30 years? Look at verse 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These things say at the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I've heard people say, God doesn't want you cold. And that doesn't say that. I'd rather you cold or hot. God just doesn't want you lukewarm. He doesn't want us indifferent. So we just show up to church and we're like, oh, I'm going to church. You're really lukewarm. If you don't serve the house of God, you're probably lukewarm. So pastor, I thought this was supposed to be a celebration. It is, but also inspiration. You got this whole area. You have to understand that this, you had three cities. You had Colossae, you had you had Heropolis, and you had you had Laodicea. Heropolis is, is like ten miles away. Colossus was five miles away. So these cities are are pretty close. It's kind of like Alvarado, Burleson, and Crowley. <laughs> so these are all pretty close to each other. And he and he's saying, you you know, I, I wish you were cold or or you're hot, but you're you're lukewarm. And I could explain to you why why cold and why hot in the comparison of Colossae and. And, and Heropolis and the differences and why he used those terms. But he goes in and he says this. He goes, so then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll spew you out of your mouth, my mouth. What he's saying, when you become indifferent to your purpose, I can't use you like I desire to use you. Verse 17, because you say as I'm rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing and know as not that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked... I counsel thee to buy of me gold in the fire, that you may be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that you may see. You see, they had, he, he's speaking to everything that they were trusting in. Why did he use the word white raiment? Because they were the leading textile providers for Rome. And the thing is, they had these special sheep in Laodicea that were black, soft wool. And so how they got rich was they were selling this, this different kind of black wool to the Romans and they got rich. And it says, and it says, you, you got rich off this and, and you talk about your clothes, but really you need this white raiment and really you're naked, meaning you're trusting in all these different things. And he says, you, you're really blind and you have this eye salve. Well, why did he use that terminology? Because there was this thing in, in Laodicea called Phrygian powder. And it was a thing that they would add to pace that would cause weak eyes to be strong. And he was saying, you're trusting in all these natural things. And because you're trusting in natural things, you have become indifferent to your purpose. You've stopped taking heed to the purpose of why you were established. It's not that God doesn't want us rich. It's not that God doesn't want us blessed. It's not that God's not going to make us skilled with our hands and doing the things that he's provided around us. The thing is, is God doesn't want something to take his place. 
And if something's taken his place, then we're not going to put him first place. And we're not putting his for him first place. We're not going to put our assignment first place because it's all about fulfilling the assignment. So Paul was speaking to Archippus, take heed to the ministry I've called you because you have to fulfill it. But then he says this, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. And he says this, be zealous, therefore, and repent. The word zealous there, the word means zeal here means great energy, enthusiasm to pursue a cause or an objective. So when he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous, therefore. Meaning you've been indifferent, but the rebuke is you need to be zealous. The rebuke is you got to get your passion back for why you're here. So as heritage of faith, let's know why we're here. It's to fulfill the assignment that God has placed on the apostle of our house. And that was to reach hurting people in our community. That, that mandate that's on our lives is to teach people faith. That mandate in our lives is to, is to reveal people to come up in a revelation of the favor of God. That the, the, the assignment upon our lives. So, so the thing is this morning, if it's a rebuke, then the thing is, is it's, not, it's not to be mean to you. The point is, is, is you ha- we have a greater re- reason for living. A greater reason for existing. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Get your enthusiasm back. Get great energy back so you can fulfill this assignment. So find your stride, get momentum, and fulfill your purpose. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm going to close with this this thought. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Say this with me. I have an assignment on my life. Say, we have an assignment on our church. I will find my stride. We will get momentum. And we will fulfill our assignment. In Acts chapter thank you, Father, 26, the Apostle Paul is speaking to King Agrippa. Verse 15, he says, and I said, who are thou, Lord? He's telling his experience on that road to Damascus. He said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute, but arise and stand upon your feet, for I've appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister. Why did God show up in your life? Why are you born again? Because you have an assignment. It might not be Paul's assignment. But it's your assignment. There's a lot of churches that you could go to. And that church has an assignment. I want you to know if this is your church. If this is part of your church. Then you have an assignment in this church. Amen. So, but arise and stand up on your feet. For I have appeared unto you for this purpose. To make thee a minister and a witness. Both of these things which you have seen. And those things in which I will appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles and of whom now I send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, 
that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I've heard Dr. Savell minister this time and time again. That word disobedience, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That word disobedient means impersuadable. Meaning no one could talk me out of my assignment. He goes, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Meaning no one can talk me out. No one can persuade me. No one can come with a different path. No one can come with a different gospel. No one can talk me out of what my assignment. Because Paul's saying, why? Because I found my stride. I've got momentum. And I will fulfill my assignment. As your pastor, Annette and I, I know on the Savelles, we will not be impersuaded to our heavenly vision. I will not be talked out of what God's called us to do. We will fulfill our assignment on this church. And that is to make a dramatic impact in this community. You know what? And we will shake this community. And we will shake nations from this community. I'm telling you, we will shake nations from this community. We will shake this nation from this community. Why? Everywhere Dr. Savelle's, we go supporting him. And not only that, but but our broadcast is broadcast all over the world. People, we get testimonies all over the world of what God is doing. We have a family that watches us every week from Spain. We have a, you know, I went to Africa, you know, it was a couple years ago. First time we did a, we went to Africa and, and went to the Masamara and we were, it was our last day and we did a safari and we walk in and, and, um, and all of a sudden this, this guy, his name is Martin. I didn't know him at the time, but he, he, he walks in and I'd never been there before. He walks in and he goes, he goes, Pastor Justin. (laughs) Pastor Justin. I'm like. He goes, he goes, my daughter and I, we live on the Mara and, and I'm the mater D here and, and, and we watch you every week. So we have the ability to shake nations from Crowley, Texas. And there's something on the inside of you. That you're called to shake your community, shake your workplace. So just find your stride, get momentum, and fulfill your assignment. Father, we just thank you for your word today. And we thank you for the call on this house. And the call on Jerry Civil Ministries. Annette and I counted an honor. To serve you, Heavenly Father. We counted an honor, Father. You called us to serve 
Dr. Jerry and Carolyn Savelle. And I count an honor for this group of people that I get to serve with. Thank you, Father, for solidifying our assignment, solidifying our stride, and cause us to step into a season of acceleration. We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. We surrender to that assignment. We surrender to your will over this house. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, I'm grateful for 20 years walking with this church. And I thank you the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for entrusting us with this assignment. Hallelujah. I thank you that there's victory in this house. I thank you there's world changers in this house. There are miracles in this house. There's marvels and wonders in this house. Hallelujah. Dreams are fulfilled in this house. Ministry is discovered in this house. Your voice is heard in this house. Oh, Father, we come up to another level as we step into this next year. And, Father, we rejoice now. Oh, Father, I thank you that, oh, Father, for faith. Thank you for faith that you placed on the inside of us, Lord. Thank you for world overcoming faith. I thank you, Lord, that you have placed you on the inside of us. And I thank you because of that, we are finishers. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Oh, we thank you for it. And we rejoice in the fact that the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. He received that this morning. Hallelujah. We'll give him a shout of praise as Pastor Phil comes. Hallelujah.